Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 82. It is the first month. Well, when you guys hear this, it'll be Tuesday, but we record on Monday nights. It's the first Monday of the month, so you know it's five good things time. And I don't know why we decided to go with Robin Hood. I'm going to choose to believe that we were inspired to do Robin Hood after we saw that Disney's doing a live action Robin Hood based off the cartoon. I, I but we're doing the, that was the reason, yeah. Um, <laughs> we're doing the 2010 Russell Crowe Robin Hood, which I didn't think could be that bad. Uh, I'm going to say this now. It has been years since a movie has pissed me off this much. <laughs> Honestly? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, dude, and like, I'm not going to lie. The- this made me almost as mad as Batman versus Superman. <laughs> I'm not being facetious. Oh uh, no, I, I I I can feel you. We'll, we'll talk about it a lot later, but um, yeah, so my right emotions now, are gonna be all over the board because our first yeah, news topic oh, that we'll talk about later. I'm gonna be like yeah. sugar rushing, super giddy, and then we're gonna crash right back down later. But um, <laughs> we'll get there later. Uh, Josh, yeah. how you doing tonight? I'm I'm chilling like a melon. And um, t- tomorrow's my birthday. Uh, I. Don't really care. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's you know, just chilling. Um, it is well, May the 4th. all of us and from me, have a happy birthday. Don't do anything. I'm literally not going to. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm starting. I've been in the process this week of starting a new job and it's been nuts. So um, that's been fun. How, how about you? How are you doing on this uh, May the 4th? Great. Um, Heather and I, we binged the sequel trilogy on Disney+. Nice. Um, always a good time. And I will still die on the hill that I enjoy Rise of Skywalker. Bring on the hate. I still really, really enjoy that movie. Yeah. They, the, I, I would, I'm with you on that. While Last Jedi has some good moments-ish. Yeah, I like and, Last Jedi. Yeah, the second half, I think uh, the wheels start to fall off. It's yeah. just that it's a good movie if it wasn't trying to be a middle part of a trilogy. Exactly. Um, in, in the spirit of star Wars day, I, uh, I actually started watching the final season of clone wars. Fantastic. I'm, I'm watching like the last three or four just to see how it leads into revenge of the Sith. Yes. That's mainly um, what I care about. Um, <laughs> have you seen any, it just debuted today. Did you see any of the behind the scenes on the Mandalorian? I haven't yet. Um, I, that's on my list of things to do. It, it's been an absolutely crazy weekend. I uh, I went. I drove down to Texas and got all my stuff. My stuff to move back up here to Tennessee now. Um, so like I I literally we got home last night at like eight eight thirty, and like I've been we've been moving and grooving ever since. Like I had to unpack everything today so we get the truck back. But um, I haven't really gotten to do much this weekend. However. On this trip, I was just kind of scrolling through podcasts because it's a 12-hour drive and, uh, you know, you get That's bored. what you need. Yeah. So, I don't know if you know this, but I didn't. Um, JD and Turk have a podcast. Yeah. Uh, Fake Doctors, Real Friends. Yeah. I discovered in the trip and you know, and they just, like, talk to their friends, their their, their casts, castmates and about the show. And Oh, yeah, man. I've been listening since the first episode. I know, I'm just discovering this. I'm sorry. Well, you're not that far behind. They're still like seven or eight episodes in. 
Yeah, I mean, but it's it's good. It's, I'm enjoying it. So I, I heard the one with Judy or Carla, for those who don't know names. Um, it's okay. I didn't know the name either. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, man. Yeah, there's really no difference between their on-screen characters and their real-life personas. There's really not. What's was what has been interesting for me is hearing about the auditioning process and just like how the interactions between all of them actually went down and how like how what we see on screen is actually very close to what was happening behind the behind the camera. Yeah, like Dr. Cox was always like the guy that had been doing it long before the rest yeah. of them and actually had experience and was just like, Yep, I know what I'm about. Yep, absolutely. And like Judy was apparently on her her interview or her um, audition, she walked into the the room where all the other women who were auditioning all these Latinas, and she's like, the thing that struck her was, you know, the Latinas actors all kind of know each other, and she knew no one in the room. <laughs> so that was it. I just it was like a little little tidbit. I liked it. Well. Um... I'm assuming you don't have anything this week for what you're watching. Um, not really. I mean, besides Clone Wars, um, not really. I'm going to make an effort, uh, probably tomorrow, to go pick up uh, Mortal Kombat Legends. Yeah, I've been curious to watch that one. Actually, tomorrow, um, Heather and I will absolutely be watching Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. Oh. It gets released <laughs> on digital tomorrow, and it's one of the few times that I'm not going to wait till DVD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this be... is like the end of the an- DC animated universe, which yeah, I'm happy be... to see it end, but also it's just, I feel like they're hyping this up to be a pretty big thing. Yeah, I would agree. Would um, Is that going to be on the DC universe? or uh, it... I would hope so, but if it is, it probably won't be there until it's there on DVD. Fair. So, so I probably you... will just buy it through the Voodoo and it'll just be okay. on the Voodoo. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Well, right, um, something I have been watching, though, uh, some stuff on Disney Plus, like I said, watch The Mandalorian. Um, it's just The Mandalorian Gallery. The first episode dropped today. Excellent behind the scenes look at The Mandalorian. You can tell it's done with a lot of passion. Uh, people are yeah. just it's fantastic. Um, also, check out a show called Prop Culture that just debuted on Disney Plus. Uh, basically, each episode, they take a famous movie like Pirates or Chronicles of Narnia or Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And this collector, like, tries to find old relics and props from that movie. So, like, they have one about Tron, and they find the old Flynn's light-up sign in bad condition, and they restore it, and they find a whole bunch of lost props from, like, Tron or the original Mary Poppins. Um, It's really, really cool, actually. Nice, dude. And then the last thing is Heather and I actually binged the... Well, I was about to say the first two seasons, but there is only two seasons of Fox's Scream Queens. Oh, okay. That's not something I thought you would watch. That's crazy. Uh, I had heard good things about it, and it's a bit of a mixed bag. I really enjoyed the first season. Um, Second season got a bit weird because I hate when shows do time jumps, like massive time jumps. Yeah. And they, like, flash forward maybe like a year or two, and they're just like, now we take place in a hospital, and as well as trying to catch a murderer, you have to do medical stuff. I'm like, um, that's not what I signed up for. <laughs> not at all. Although it was really gratifying seeing Taylor Lautner die. Well, of course. Um, I although, still, I still and Heather can testify like to this, 
one of the main one of the main characters in the show is Jamie Lee Curtis, already okay. in, in and of itself. But she's the dean of a school, just like an H2O, which is already a win. But one of the episodes in the season one, the killer is trying to kill her when she's in the shower. So they basically try and copy the psycho scene. But for those that don't know, Jamie Lee Curtis's mom is Janet Lee, the woman in Psycho that was killed in the shower. That's crazy. But the funny thing is they spit it on its head. So the killer opens up the shower curtain to see no one there. And then she beats the crap out of the killer and goes, are you kidding me? I've seen that movie 50 times. <laughs> and I'm like, nice. okay, movie, you, you, you win this time TV. As a whole, it, it was a better show than I was expecting it to be. At least season one. Cause at its core, it's yeah. murder mystery with people dying all the time. You have to try and figure it out. Yes. It's a bit blatantly obvious at times, but still pretty good. My, my main issue with Scream Queens is second season of Pretty Weak. And also, I don't like it when bratty or annoying characters don't get their comeuppets. And that doesn't really happen. Yeah, that it's mm, that's annoying. Like, bad people, bad things need to happen to them at least once. But, like, the bad people luck into good things. Uh, that's yeah. annoying. Also, one character just doesn't straight up come back for the next season and they don't bother explaining it. And they're just like, um, she's fine. We just, she's not back. I'm like, oh, okay. That's weird. But whatever. Yeah. But overall, I liked it. It was pretty good. Um, before we get into our main news topics, there is, again, some late breaking news that I don't even know if Josh knows about this. And when I tell you, Josh... You're going to think I'm making this up, but I swear I'm not. Tom Cruise is insane. That's our news. Yeah. Wait, what is it? So Tom Cruise is just insane. When I saw this headline, I was like, Tom, you do know we were joking, right? You don't actually have to go to space. (laughs) So Tom Cruise apparently is teaming up with Elon Musk and his SpaceX and NASA to produce the very first ever, like, narrative-driven action-adventure film, which will be predominantly filmed in space. What? I'm not making this up. Tom Cruise is filming a movie in space. They didn't say that it's Mission Impossible 8 or 9, but I kind of feel like it's probably Mission Impossible 9. (laughs) I, we were joking, Tom. <laughs> like, you don't have to. You know he's actually going to do, like, astronaut training and whatnot. And the good thing is astronauts don't have to be tall. Actually, they prefer to be short. Oh, dang. So he, like, probably just is perfect for it. Yeah, probably, dude. But I'm, I'm not making this up. Tom Cruise is filming a movie in space. Okay, well, that's that's not what I thought we, we were going to talk about. I, I thought we were going to talk about uh, Nicolas Cage playing playing Tiger King. I thought about talking about that too. That just makes me so excited. I still have not seen Tiger King, and I don't really care to. Um, Same. <laughs> but I will watch a Nicolas Cage playing as Tiger King. <laughs> Nicolas Cage is literally one of my favorite people. So... Uh, with the Tom Cruise filming in space, it makes me think of that scene in Disaster Artist of... 
why did you recreate the alleyway when we're right next to the alleyway? It's like, Tom, why are you filming in space when we could just build a space set? Because it's real Hollywood movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't understand the point of, of filming actually in space. I just, I see all kinds of pitfalls for that. And I just don't know if it's worth it. Maybe it was like in his divorce agreement with Katie Holmes that he has to eventually leave the planet. Oh, jeez. I mean, there's no that's, couches for him to jump on his face. That, that's tough, bud. That's oof. I'm trying to think oof. of like an alien pun in space. No one can hear in space. No one can see you run. Oh, no. Hey, hey. First Tom, it'll set the record as the first Tom Cruise film to not feature a running scene. He'll find a way. <laughs> How weird would it be, though, if Tom Cruise beats the Fast and the Furious movies to space? How funny would it be? How how much of a twisty twist would that be if suddenly um, they cross the Mission Impossible and the uh, Fast and Furious universes? I always thought it would be cool if Mission Impossible crossed over with the Bourne franchise. See that, but that makes sense. <laughs> Mission Impossible 9, they have to track down John Wick. <laughs> Uh-oh. No, Bourne I mean, and Wick uh, would be better crossover, but... Yes. Tom Cruise is nuts, and we could just leave it there. Ready to get into actual news? Absolutely. Because <laughs> I'm a little giddy right now that just... It has been a great... May the 4th. Like, it's probably been one of the best. And not just because I'm trapped at home. Um, the Star Wars gods have blessed us today. Um, not only did Rise of Skywalker drop on Disney+, Plus, uh, but we got official look at the next Lego Star Wars game, which is like the complete collection. Um, like, all nine episodes. Fine. Whatever. They uh, did a completely free, big, new patch for Jedi Fallen Order which was supposed to be done like months ago, that they didn't advertise this at all. They just dropped a brand new, hey, now you have new mission, uh, um, new game plus with all your skins that you already accumulated uh, with like practice areas and whatnot. So that game has new life. But of course, what we're really here to talk about, we talk, I feel like we talked about this a few months ago when it was rumored, I think in January. Um, yeah. But... One of our favorite directors, Thor Ragnarok director himself, Taika Waititi, will not only be co-writing, but he will also be directing the next Star Wars movie. And he'll be co-writing it with the writer of 1917. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm so hyped. How hyped are you? Well... I'll always have that reservation in the back of my mind going, okay, it's May the 4th. I give him until August till Kathleen Kennedy fires him for doing too good of a job. Jeez. But, but here's, the, here's the, the thing. I don't think he'll get fired because he already has Mandalorian experience. And that went yes. incredibly well. If you guys don't know, Taika Waititi <laughs> is the guy that directed the season one finale with that fantastic cliffhanger. Um he seems to be there's like that inner circle that worked on the Mandalorian which rumors are that Kathleen Kennedy had very little involvement with the Mandalorian that's why it was good um 
But, oh, I already love Taika Waititi. But seeing what he did with The Mandalorian, seeing what he has done with all of his films, he's done a variety of different things um, with a whole bunch of diff- different genres. I just think this is an excellent fit. However, because Star Wars is a bun- is full of just a bunch of mamby-pambies, there are already a bunch of idiots going, well, now we're going to have a comedy Star Wars, and I don't want that. I'm like, um, you morons do realize that the last movie that uh, Taika Waititi did was a Holocaust film, right? <laughs> and here's the thing, though. Like, we... <laughs> Star Wars desperately needs <laughs> some humor in it, man. Because, I mean, when your humor in, in your film is legitimately, and as much as I love it, is, is oh, they fly now? They fly now? They fly now? Oh, get out of here. Like, that. that's not... Okay, in Rise of Skywalker's Defense, that line is awful, but there are a lot of other good, funny moments in that movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like... <laughs> We need better. We need better writing and moments that aren't I like comedy. That's not that doesn't make you like roll your eyes. Regardless of that, though, Tycho is like one of the best story storytellers out there right now. Yeah, and also we've talked about it before. Of yes, his movies are funny, but they also have good stories. But also, like, kind of the humor masks this overall sadness of the characters. Um, yes. Of like Ragnarok is probably the funniest Marvel movie there is. And aside from maybe Infinity War, it's also probably the saddest in terms of stuff that actually happens in the movie. Yes, absolutely. You have Thor basically losing his entire home world. He's stripped of most of his power. Um, he gets put through the ringer. And it's still funny, but the humor like compensates the pain. And now that you've seen what we do in the shadows... There's a lot of humor in that, but did you also get like the undercurrents of pain of these guys maybe don't want to be vampires anymore? Yeah, it's in especially when they when they get the new guy. At first, he's all about it, but then he kind of there's an obvious shift of like, oh, like the reality of the being a, a vampire, you know, kind of sinks in, and there and he his there's an obvious moment of him going. Yeah, I don't know if I want this anymore. Yeah, it's... And Jojo Rabbit, again, has its funny moments, but again, it takes place during the Holocaust, and there's some gut-wrenching stuff that happens in it, and he's just a great storyteller, and he's already in that Star Wars bubble. The work he's done on The Mandalorian is just perfect, but I feel like everyone's focusing on Taika Waititi, and rightly so, because he's one of my favorite directors. But let's not forget, he's co-writing the script... With a woman that wrote 1917, the Academy, multiple time uh, Academy Award nominated in 1917. Still what I think is the best movie that's theatrically released this year. I know it technically came out last December, but didn't get wide release until this year. I still think it's the best movie of this year. I agree. And here's what would be amazing would be just to have, I'm just like thinking of 1917 in the you know, in the view of what an actual star war would look like. But with that filming, like, I'm just, bro, let's go. Like, let's totally go. I'm I'm thinking he's the launching point for the new franchise, which will be like the old Republic era. Mm-hmm. I, one of the details that I really hope they, that 
they bring back. And I feel like he would be the one to bring it back would be if they go like old Republic, old Republic and have it like when the Jedi are trying to have, they have that random spat with the Mandalorians and the Mandalorians start using slug throwers, which are AKA like regular guns. And because they, they're like, Oh, they can reflect the blasters. Let's just shoot them. (laughs) That's very smart. Mandalorians. (laughs) Like, how dare you? I, I very much just want to spend time in the old Republic. Like I'm, I like the Skywalker saga, but I'm ready to explore the rest of the universe. Yeah, I it's I think the reason the old republic has always fascinated me at least outside of the you know what the game gave us is uh, there a there's so much to explore. B there's the opportunity for a Sith Jedi war, which I am always down for i've always wanted um, that of like what was it was it knights of the old republic that had that old yeah. cinematic of like hundreds of jedi versus hundreds of sith yes oh let's go like people think that they oh they're just adding new force powers bro just you wait but re-watching <laughs> it and people are complaining of like ray has these has force healing that's never been established before it's like you do realize she has the ancient Jedi texts that were locked away on Octu for hundreds of years. So yes. maybe she does happen to know some things that other generations don't because she has old knowledge. She and like okay, just on doesn't that make topic, me like her as a character anymore though. Yeah, no, no, no. I, mm, but like, there's also she's got the powers of pa- of Palpatine, basically, who legitimately can't die in in a lot of ways. Who was trained in. You know, Darth, all those skills of Darth Plagueis. Like, there's no way that that level of skill in the Force doesn't translate down through generations. Yeah, I. It's just such a sandbox for Taika to play in, and yes, I just think he's the right guy to get things back on track. And people will complain about everything. Overwhelmingly, that I've seen positive reaction, but people still are just like, "He's going to be too funny." I'm like it. Did you not see, like, half of his movies? You just know him from Ragnarok and what we do in the shadows. He does have other things, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I just, mm, this is perfect. I'm just glad they dropped this on May the 4th. I'm just, it's been a good May the 4th. Star Wars, I think, is slowly starting to rebuild itself. What I think will be interesting is something that I think that, uh, that, okay, we're going to tell a Star Wars story that just happens to be told in the same kind of genre as a Western, you know, but do that for other genres. It's like, let's tell us, let's tell these stories in the the Star Wars universe that just happen to be in other genres. Exactly. I, there's just so much opportunity now that the Skywalker saga is dead for now. I feel like now we can really explore the rest of the Star Wars universe. And that makes me super excited. Yeah, and in some ways, that unfortunately, it does, The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker kind of almost feel like, okay, let's get this series over with so we can get to the fun stuff. Yeah, kind of, uh, which is unfortunate. And again, I was thinking about this while I was watching Rise of Skywalker. I think, and this is going to sound weird, the movie that hurt Rise of Skywalker the most isn't actually The Last Jedi. I think it's Avengers Endgame. Because I can see that everyone, uh, it's the both of them are the end of respective franchises, theoretically. 
Um, but Endgame took the world by storm, and I think people were hoping and expecting after Endgame came out going, oh, cool. Well, we're having a franchise ender with Star Wars. Star Wars more or less has to do what Endgame did. I'm like, that's not quite the same thing. And I think people are kind of expecting it to be the level of Endgame of wrap all nine things up. And even Disney themselves, I think, got wrapped up in that. Of like, the marketing should never have been, we're going to wrap up all nine movies. It should have been wrapping up this trilogy, which in turn wraps up all nine. Um, but... I think people were expecting it to be like Endgame level huge and it was not the what that movie was supposed to be or intended to be. Yeah, and you, you they I would agree that they kind of got wrapped up in the we got to end the series. It, so it it did hurt them in the long run, but you know, it's, it's in the past now. Now we can look forward to other things. And maybe if you are going to make an old Republic, we can explore the Mandalorians more. We can explore the Sith more. We can explore all these cultures that we hadn't before. Yeah. Well, you talked about hurting. Somebody that's hurting right now. Well, a lot of industries are hurting, but the movie theater chains are one of them. In particular, AMC Theaters, who I believe is... If they haven't already, they filed for bankruptcy just because they were in the middle of a big refurbishment before this whole thing collapsed with like their A-list, which is their subscription service. They're remodeling all their uh, theaters. So they were already in a vulnerable position. Well, now AMC Theaters has gone and done picked a fight with somebody and I see both sides and neither side looks particularly good in this. So AMC has now picked a fight with Universal uh, pictures, not like Universal Studios, a theme park, but like Universal, the company owned by, by Viacom, because Universal was more or less pounding their chest at the quote unquote success of Trolls World Tour, which has made like a hundred million dollars in um, home video sales, which is really good. Well, but it's not to the same box office as the first Trolls, which was like three hundred million. But Universal is just like, once the thing is all over with, we're gonna have movies release. Um, theatrically and on VOD, to which AMC's going, no, 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 you need to have all your movies released on the theatrical system before you release it on VOD, which keep in mind, Universal decided to release Trolls World Tour on VOD without telling the theaters that were still under the impression that they would get World Tour one theaters reopened. Um, so now AMC theaters, some people were saying AMC and Regal, but Regal has, uh, put out a statement steadfastly declining that that they are not doing this, but AMC Theaters has said that they will no longer be showing any Universal films going forward until adjustments are made and Universal agrees to show movies back in theaters. So that means um, no Halloween Kills, no Despicable Me, no Trolls, I guess. Any big franchise coming out of Universal cannot be shown in AMC Theaters. Um, I'm going to play both sides here for a second. Yeah, go for it. Um, this is a tough situation because I'm an advocate for the theater going experience more than any other. That being said, I fully understand and realize that theaters are going to die in our lifetime. I mark my words. The theater going experience has a shelf life. And I think Universal is trying to use the quarantine as a reason to 
expedite their transition to VOD, which hurts, but I understand what they're doing. That being said, I get why they want to have their cake and eat it too of um, release some movies on video on demand, which goes that money more or less goes straight to them. And then release some movies like bigger movies like Halloween Kills in theaters, which they have to split some of that with the theaters. Uh, the theaters, of course, are pissed about this because if a major studio is saying that they're going to release some movies on VOD and not going to theaters, that's a big cut of revenue that the theaters are not getting. And AMC right now is in no place to miss out on some big movies. Now, here's where I know a lot of people are taking both sides. Um, this is going to sound awful, but I kind of side more with Universal on this right now yeah. uh, because AMC, more than any other film, uh, more than any other movie theater chain right now, is in no position at all to be making these threats. Like, yeah, it's like, I'm going to wager my house when you just had to sell your house because you don't have the money type of thing. Um, yeah, <laughs> like AMC, if you were, if this was a few months ago and you were more lucrative, then you could start butting heads with studios saying, okay, you can't screw us over like this. But I think I understand where AMC's coming from. But them boycotting Universal movies, I think, is going to end up hurting them more than it hurts Universal. Yeah, especially with them already being in a tough spot. Um, it, yeah, I'm with you. Like, they're not really in a space to do that, is the thing. Like, I get what they're saying. And in some kind of way, shape, or fashion, I don't exactly know how contracts work with movie studios and movie theaters but at the same time if universal had a contract with the, a theater company to release a movie in theaters and then they break that it's that's a little screwy to do that to to, to a company regardless of circumstances yeah like i think it's gonna be a slow process to phase out movie theaters, and I want movie theaters to stay as much as possible. I'm still that guy that collects physical Blu-rays and 4K discs every Tuesday when a new one comes out that I want because yes. I still believe in the quality and collecting of physical media. But I'm not naive. I know theaters are dying, and anybody that says otherwise is fooling you. And I'll be very curious once this quarantine is over what the trends are for video on demand, whether the sales yeah. – just take a slight dip because everyone's gone back to work or if they dramatically dip and people still prefer the theater experience because doing some research for this news topic, I would go into the comment section for a lot of um, things from Twitter or for Facebook, a bunch of different um, social medias just to kind of gauge people's reactions. Of, do they agree with AMC theaters of like, I want the theater going experience or do people kind of lean more towards Oh, no, it's Universal's right to release stuff on demand. I like watching stuff from the convenience of my home anyway. And I unfortunately saw it about 70-30 of a lot of people were just like, oh, I prefer actually to just watch stuff in the comfort of my own home anyway. And I was like, that's sad, but I don't doubt it because yeah. movie theaters, yes, you got your end games breaking box office records. But there's a lot of other movies that people would rather see at home. 
I think too, there's, there's gotta be something to be said, uh, of at least for a counterpoint for theaters is where people, uh, these companies release the VODs because I'm, I will say I have heard people be like, well, I don't want to have to subscribe to seven different services just to see the movies I want to see. Yeah. That's why I think they they go to like places like Google play or voodoo or Fandango now or iTunes. Yeah. It's so it's, so we'll see. I mean, there's definitely benefits to both sides, It's like if you're a fighter in either like boxing or UFC and you decide to pick a fight with one of the top ranked contenders in the world, not the champ, that's probably Disney or Warner Brothers, but one of the top five contenders while you are still on the disabled list and can't fight. Yes, Yes. it it doesn't make sense. It's a stupid move. Like, dude, no. So we'll see what happens. I mean, to be fair, I... It's I'm not the target audience for trolls, so I'm not. Yeah, me neither. I, really I had no interest care. in this movie, but the fact that this, this is what's causing the war. Yeah, it kind of reminds things. me like something insignificant can cause big ripples. I remember, uh, this is going to be a weird analogy, but follow me here. How something so little can affect something great. I remember that to this day in college. When WWE released some wrestler named Cody Rhodes, I texted you yep. all and said, mark my words, that's the first shot of a bigger war. Yep. And, and look where we're right at here. now because of that yep. one guy. Well, and it's going to be interesting too now, like look at the, what COVID's doing with them releasing close to 30 wrestlers, 30 people from their, their uh, roster. Yeah, that's, like, a, uh, that's a whole other Yes. Um, But but like more and more places are releasing their movies digitally and doing well. I'll be very curious to see how Scoob does um, next week on VOD. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think it'd be very good. But if that VOD model keeps working, it sucks to say, but studios look at bottom line, not the theaters. And I think at the end of the day, Studios find out that VOD will get them more money in the long term. They won't do change it overnight, but there'll be a slow phase out of movie theaters. I think this is a opening shot of a larger war that we'll see play out for a while. Yeah, I would agree. I think too, with some with most people investing a little bit more money into their home theaters, at least, especially like this uh, during this time. So the people investing a little bit more money into their their home movie watching experience, I I think it's more likely to head in that direction. I completely agree. Um, this week in Disney's remaking something because <laughs> it feels like that's just every week at this point. Um, however, this is one of the few times that I'm a hundred percent on board with it. Um. The rumor right – well, it's not rumor. It's confirmed. Uh, Disney is remaking in live-action form their Hercules movie with the Endgame directors, the Russo brothers, attached as producers. They're not directing it, but they're producing it. Um, controversial opinion time. I don't particularly enjoy the original Hercules, the animated one. What? I really don't. I don't think it holds up particularly well. Um, okay. 
It's not particularly funny, except for Hades. Hades is wonderful. Um, I think Hercules is kind of... He doesn't really hold up too well as a protagonist. He's very whiny and bratty. Um, not particularly funny. Um, this is one, though, that ever since Disney was remaking stuff, I was like, you got to do Hercules. You got to do Hercules. Because while I don't particularly enjoy the original that much, I don't hate it. It just wasn't one of my favorites. Um, yeah. While I don't particularly love it, there's no denying that the visual potential is there. Oh, my goodness. Would I love to see live-action Hercules fight a live-action Hydra. Because, like, that fight terrified me as a kid. Yes. Uh, I think the the thing, too, would be that what you could do with it now, especially with directors like the Russo brothers, like, bro, come on. If you want to... The biggest thing about Hercules movies, and sadly... And the one I've enjoyed the most re- of recent years is The Rock. They they don't exactly really explore the world of Hercules. They're Which that is something that they did well, even if they missed the mythology a lot. Yes. Um, it was, here's the different creatures of mythology. Here's him fighting a Hydra or a centaur. Here's the yes. gods of the underworld. And Zeus, for some reason, is a 100% good person. Yep. Don't know why, but okay. So, how long until we get it confirmed that Chris Hemsworth is though is Hercules? I hope not. Actually, I think it is just because uh, almost every project that the Russo brothers have worked on, some form of a Marvel character has been in that movie. Their first non MCU one was Twenty One Bridges, starring Chadwick Boseman, aka Black Panther. Um, they just did Extraction on Netflix, starring Chris Hemsworth. Uh, they got like Buck Cherry, I think is what's coming out with Tom Holland, Spider-Man. It more than likely some form of an MCU actor will be in the movie as the lead. I just feel like Crim's Hemsworth would be too easy. Ned from Spider-Man is our Hercules. Let's do it. I don't know. Uh, no, no, Tom we'll Hiddleston is Hades. <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 no. Actually, no, the casting that I was like, okay, that's a little too perfect and I'm uncomfortable by this is Pain and Panic, Hades Minions, like the two annoying sidekicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Played by Aquafina and John Mulaney. Yeah, yeah. All right, so anyway. <laughs> like, isn't that just a little too spot on? Yeah, just honestly, mainly because I want more John Mulaney in my life. <laughs> yes. Also, there's already a petition to have Danny DeVito return as Phil. Please! Oh my goodness, That's yes. one of the few that would actually, like, legitimately hold up. And mainly because he's a short little man and he looks like his character. <laughs> yeah, he'd be really, really funny, I think. I, I, I agree. This is one of the few that I'm actually excited just because I think the potential is there. I agree. Now, there's been, on it. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens. And make it more serious approach. See, but like also the thing on that is that I feel like remakes of Hercules have always been serious. Yeah. Have some fun with like it, even, at least. Yeah, I mean, and that's why I think I enjoyed The Rock's Hercules so much is because they did try to do something different. They, Yes, it was serious. Yes, it was a it was a rock movie, um, but they did something unique in that they were like, well, we don't know if Hercules is actually a god. He's really strong and brave, but we don't know really if he is. 
Let's just not get Russell. Not let's just not get Ridley Scott to direct this, please. Go away, Ridley. We need you to go away. Because he just keeps copying, pasting Gladiator into movies that it doesn't really fit. But we'll talk about that later. Yes. Um, so you also wrote down the notes, and I had seen this um, that Hercules is not the only one that Disney is eyeing, and yes. that there are discussions about doing a live action. <laughs> I stitches the Caillou of Disney. <laughs> oh no! He um, is. He's in trouble to make messes. Doesn't get in trouble for it ever. Oh my goodness! Okay, yes. So, but he, in my opinion, this would be the opportunity to make it into a better film. Do I love Lilo and Stitch and have it have a soft spot for it? Yeah, because I, I watched it as a kid and loved it as a kid. Rewatching it now, I, I'm not as big of a fan. Um, but. No, Lilo and Stitch to me is in the same boat as Emperor's New Groove. It's in a dark spot in Disney time in Disney's timeline. Wait, you don't like Emperor's New Groove? I hate Emperor's New Groove. Oh, we're about to fight now, bro. Well, at least with Emperor's New Groove, I can pinpoint why I hate it. Cusco is the worst protagonist in a Disney movie, and he doesn't change as a person. Okay, I'll give you that. He's just Tony Um, Stark (laughs) as a llama. (laughs) Yep. He's Okay, yeah. Uh, Whereas Lilo and Stitch, I feel like they're just like, oh, wow, the merchandise sales for Baby Yoda are excellent. What's another plush figure that we can just make in live action? Sir, we still have a lot of unsold Stitch toys. Let's make it happen, guys. (laughs) The issue is, I don't know how you're going to make... Not as a movie, but as merchandise. Because he's been everywhere. I, I don't know how you don't make Stitch horrifying to look at yeah <laughs> like i don't know how you have that conversation i just i you know but that's why i've only seen it rumored in pre-production like so to me it's not necessarily confirmed i don't want to live in a world where we have a live action lilo and stitch but they still won't do a treasure planner or atlantis <sighs> More Treasure Planet. Oh, at yes, least for please. the first 10 minutes. Because Lilo and Stitch is just there for merchandising, and that's it. Yes, it is, unfortunately. Like, okay. This is weird. But Lilo and Stitch is a better movie if you take Stitch out. <laughs> and you just focus I mean, on Lilo and Nani trying to survive? Nani. And the yeah, sisterly- yeah, yeah, surviving. And the sisterly <laughs> did Disney characters ever? I love you, Dave. How's no me? <laughs> my boy, my boy, Dave. Oh. Dave, it's great. I, yeah, Hercules. I'm excited for Lilo and Stitch. Resounding no. That's a no for me. I mean, but wouldn't you just love to have a live action Cobra Bubbles? No. <laughs> no, because Michael Clark Duncan unfortunately already passed away. Stop! Don't make me sad about this. <laughs> and no one else could be a live-action Agent Bubbles. <laughs> Code Except for Bubbles. maybe Terry Crews. <laughs> I would pay money to see Terry Crews as, Co- as, as Agent Bubbles. <laughs> Whatever. Let's, let's move on to one that's odd, to say the least, but could hint at things... Or it could be nothing. It could be either one. That's why this is kind of odd. So, uh, Sony 
spoiler alert, likes to put the cart before the horse. I don't know if you know that, no Josh. Um, planning <laughs> Spider-Man 4 and 5 before they were finished with 3, or two. setting up Sinister 6 before they were done with Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, but before <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man 2 was a colossal dud and the worst Spider-Man movie ever made, they had a whole bunch of plans of what they were going to do post that, like a um, Sinister 6 movie, a Black Cat and Silver Sable movie, a.k.a. Silver and Black, which, okay. Apparently, the Silver and Black project never actually died, and it still has somewhat of a mild heartbeat, as the creator of that movie is still hoping for life in the project. However, she wants to see it turned into a Disney Plus series. Why am I bringing this up as odd and not just say, well, this director would like to see this to happen? Again, we talked about this. This is Sony. Sony and Disney are two separate entities. There's a reason why none of the Spider-Man movies are on Disney+, Plus because some other studio made them. Yes, they're in the MCU, but they're not Marvel movies, technically. So yeah. I find it very, very fascinating, even if it's just some wish fulfillment by one of the directors, that they say, oh yeah, we'd like our show to be on Disney+. Plus." Um, wait, 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 hold the phone there. Are you saying there, there's a chance that Sony and Marvel might be working together to do TV shows? Because that could be really, really messy really quick. Like, great for us, but legally speaking, really messy and complicated, even more so than it already is. Yes. I mean, I do like the, I, I do like the idea of if you're going to del- delve into a characters like like Silver and, and Black Cat, like I do think I agree that it needs to be a TV show. Now having it on Disney uh, Disney Plus again, like you were saying, offers up some interesting interesting questions of like a how does that work? B is the is this kind of agreement already in place and we're not aware of it? Yeah, like. There's been some rumors of Disney wanting to do a Spider-Man series on Disney+, Plus, but I'm just like, okay, how would that theoretically work? Which gets me really thinking of, could they do a live-action Spider-Man series on Disney+, Plus, but it's not Tom Holland's Spider-Man? Because the, theoretically, what I thought was the agreement is Sony has the film merchandising, the film rights... Everything else belongs to Marvel proper. So that's why you see like all the animated Spider-Man shows. Well, why can't they do a live action Spider-Man on Disney Plus? Just don't connect it to the MCU. Be something standalone-ish. Is that legally okay? I I would assume so. I mean, I I don't know the deals and the contracts and how all that works. But I mean, in my mind, that's how you introduce Miles Morales. I was just thinking the same thing. You do a Miles show. And like, I would eat that up. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Let's go. I think the my favorite thing right now that I've seen is uh, I don't know if you you might have tagged me in it. I'm not sure, but there was a list someone made of the differences between Peter Parker and Miles, and like why Miles is better. And the first no, that thing definitely wasn't the, me. No. So the top, th- the number one thing was that Miles can hug his parents. Oh. <laughs> 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 Which, if oh, he has Amazing Spider-Man 2, Peter could at least hug his dad. Oh, stop. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk well, about it. Well, even in the comics, Miles can't do that, technically. 
technically. Technically. Depends on when. But anyway, yeah. No, Spider-Verse TV I, series, please. Uh, it would be interesting to do Miles. I actually think doing Silver Sable and Black Cat in that kind of uh, form would be the best idea as well. Not because I don't think they're big enough, but I think they're complicated to just drop. They're a little too complicated to just drop in a film. Also, I think Disney, this may not be at all connected, but I think Disney is smart and may have looked at the box office for Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, which were secondary characters, female-led hero, not particularly marketed well. I think that's the main thing to hurt it. But I think Disney might be looking at those stats going, we think this might work better as a show first, and then you can maybe transition it to a movie. Yes. Especially if you plan on, uh, I don't know, actually committing to the idea that your TV shows are connected to your movies. Yeah, which makes me think at some point we're going to get reboots of Daredevil and Punisher and everybody else because I've been saying it since day one, Netflix is not connected to the MCU. Although I would, that's the best Punisher that we've ever had. I don't think we'll get, I think they won't recast Punisher just because Punisher is not PG-13 and the MCU is PG-13 and proud. Yes. Like it can live in a pocket universe with Deadpool. They just drink beer and hang out. Yeah. Which this gets me thinking, though, if we get Spider-Man shows on Disney Plus because they're not technically theatrically released, how excited would you be in either animated or live action form if we got a Spider-Man 2099 series in the style of Batman Beyond? Oh, Oh, I'm down. I'm so down. I think, yes, Miles is exciting. But Spider-Man 2099 has a lot of possibilities, which I still feel like we might explore that in Into the Spider-Verse 2. Yeah, I, I think that's what they're going to end up doing anyway, so. Uh, it's interesting that Sony's like, um, yeah, peeking over the fence a little bit. Oh, I see uh, I see you got a nice little streaming service over there. Um, I guess we're, we're on good terms now. Can, can we talk about that streaming service you got there? Which honestly, if they brought this, uh, the, uh, some of the Sony properties, if they could figure out that deal, like the the library of Disney would expand, uh, would ex- expand as well. Because yeah, I don't know what Sony's going to streaming wise. Um, it's not going to HBO Max. It's not going to Peacock. I don't think Sony's its own thing. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I, it's it'll be interesting to say the least. Well, let's move on to something that I know you are not interested in, but I know a large grouping of people are interested in Space Jam 2, um, starring LeBron James in his never-ending quest to prove to everyone, I'm better than Michael Jordan. Please believe me. See, I'm going to out-Jordan him and be also teaming up with Bugs Bunny. Um, Yeah, okay. Even though Looney Tunes has been dead. (sighs) That's the big issue i think is the last looney tunes movie we we got was in 2006 and back in action and that was okay but that box office wasn't stellar because like you said looney tunes isn't relevant um but lebron james has officially revealed the new logo and title for this next space jam called space jam a new legacy starring him don Cheadle, uh and bugs bunny naturally I'm not going to lie. I'm at least curious about this one. 
And I'm going to say something so sacrilegious, I'm sure all the 90s people are going to come and find me and kill me. Space Jam isn't as good as you remember it being. No, it's not. Um, but There's some good, really funny, like, topical references. Like, there's a Pulp Fiction reference. Um, but Michael Jordan is one of the greatest basketball players of all time. He is not one of the greatest actors of all time. No. Um, but I think also the, the thing about Space Jam was it, it was at the peak of people that watched Looney Tunes. It yes, was not... There was, it was... Yeah, it uh, wasn't two like babies just, or something like that. Yeah, like it was. It was, it was yeah. So I, a new legacy. Uh, do I like the name? Don't get in the logo. I like the that logo either. too. Logo is pretty sweet. Yeah. So I, I, I'm at least intrigued now um, as to what they're gonna do with this world of Looney Tunes that no real, like, there's no real audience for right now. So I'm not the biggest NBA guy, um, but I know enough. Um, there is some discussion of who's joining LeBron in this movie. Um, some names that have been floated around are like James Harden, which, yes, I'm down for that. James Harden is a big enough personality that I think he could really, really work. Um, there's some guys that I've seen in the league and I'm like, you, I think, could do well in the movie. Top of the list being James. Uh, I'll always say yeah. Jordan's a better player than James, but James is leaps and bounds the better actor. I've seen clips of him in movies, and he's hysterical. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I, I mean, it doesn't necessarily say much, but uh, yeah, I I was trying to think of I of people who could be like if you have the same situation where the there's like like the monsters. The yeah, it, then who would I have? And, and at first I was like, well, there's not as bit many big personalities, and that could not be farther from the truth. But it would just be, it it's going to be an interesting James time. James Harden, um, Damian Lillard. Uh, um, Curry. I, I don't know if there. Steph Curry has that big of a personality. Like, he's a big player. But, I mean, if you're going to have somebody steal certain... Um, well, even in the original Space Jam... They pick some top players, but they pick the players that they could afford. Fair. So, I mean, I don't they know. They like to pick the Fair. cream of the crop. Like the aliens are just like, well, we're going to stop at this one game. We're not going to scout the rest of the league. We're going to pick the best players from these two teams that are just happen to play, be playing in this one game. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> you watch Kevin, uh, Kevin Durant will be in this movie, but halfway through, he'll decide to join the alien team because they're going to win. Cheese. Cheese. I'm not going to lie. While I'm not the biggest fan of the first one, maybe because I saw it later or just, I don't know, whatever reason, I will, I'm cautiously optimistic about this one at least. I think there's some interesting talent attached to it. Um, LeBron's funny, and maybe this will be the shot in the arm that Looney Tunes needs. To me, they're like Muppets. Um, both desperately need a franchise revival. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, dude. I mean, I think I'd be more psyched if, first, for whatever reason, uh, it, it, instead of the Looney Tunes, it happens like with the Animaniacs. The, okay, I'd be down with that. Yeah, but like that doesn't exactly work because it's a separate technical technically a separate universe so i don't know yeah 
Um, moving on to our last news topic of the day, we have a trailer in a time that we're so devoid of trailers. Any trailer, we will jump on real, real quick. And so, Josh, you pointed this out to me, and I watched yes. it, and I'm very curious, nonetheless, about a new HBO show called Lovecraft on Tree. Um, Josh, yes. kick us off with your thoughts on this trailer. So, okay, if, if, if anybody has watched it, um, you might have accidentally stumbled across it and forgotten about it because, it, to me, it's a very forgettable trailer. Um, but that's more just because it doesn't want to give away too much, I think. I mean, that's what I'm I'm telling myself. But basically, I don't even know the main character's name, but he moves home, finds out his dad's missing. His dad leads, leaves him some information on where to find him, and he goes there, which just ha- happens to be someplace actually called Lovecraft Country. With a big old picture of Cthulhu right on the map. Yeah, like, okay, bud. Um and then the movie, uh, sorry, the trailer kind of de- devolves, in my opinion, into what looks like a an adult Stranger Things. I was thinking the exact same thing. It looks like an if HBO was like, okay, Stranger Things maxes out at TV fourteen. How can we make this HBO ready? Yes, and to be fair, like that's a smart move, uh, especially taking something that's already in existence, like Lovecraft. The issue I'm have personally having with it. I don't know what monster they're doing. There's so many monsters that... that maybe that's a good thing. And maybe creates. it's a monster of the week or multiple monsters or monster per season. Yes. So like, Because if there's any I'm issue curious. I have with these things, it's that we kept relying on the stupid Demogorgon. Yes. So, I mean, we... Who knows? I mean, at the end of the day, I hope that we somehow build up to Cthulhu. I mean, but that's, of course me um <laughs> has a tattoo of cthulhu on his body <laughs> but yeah i mean you know it, it looks looked interesting enough for me to at least try to check it out yeah i'm curious um so yeah when i get hbo max later this month i'm gonna see what they're offering and i don't know if that's gonna be at launch or not if it's gonna be eventually there that'll be one that i'll definitely be checking out still i think the first thing that i'll watch on hbo max is i'll get caught up on Watchmen. everyone kept saying yes. how great that was um so i'm definitely gonna hop on that i'm uh, still really curious if they're gonna have 4k content or not they haven't specified yeah. there's a lot we don't know about this system they keep advertising their library but i'm like uh, what's your interface like what's your specs yes. like what's this that other thing and they're being real quiet which i find odd um but yeah i think this trailer is very interesting at first it was kind of slow but it built up for me and it did kind of hook me with that stranger things mystique yes the interesting thing too is it looks like all of the main cast is all black which, which is i'm, I'm all sure for. isn't jordan peele one of the executive producers yes i think i think i saw that which i didn't know that he was attached to it He's like he's got his fingers in all kinds of projects right now. Yes, which honestly makes me a little bit more excited about it. I, Jordan Peele is a horror guy. I can take it or leave it right now. I love Jordan Peele as a comedian with Key, um, but wasn't a huge fan of Get Out or Us, especially Us. I found disappointing. Um, but for now, I think this has a lot of potential and. HBO, at least recently, hasn't missed a whole lot when it comes to TV. Except yeah. for the last season, 
or two of Game of Thrones, but <laughs> but that's a whole story on its that, own. Yeah, so, that's I mean, Benny Off and Weiss's fault. Yeah, so they can they hurry up so they could rush over to Star Wars and then immediately get on Star Wars. Yes, um, I mean, but yeah. So if the whole vibe is basically a an adult um, Stranger Things, I'm I'm I'm, I'm there honestly. Which quick side note about Stranger Things before we get into our main discussion. Uh, Joe Keery, who um, plays Steve, was asked in an interview about Stranger Things Season 4, and he said, actually, this will be the scariest season so far, to which I just roll my eyes and go, yeah, sure, bud, whatever you say. Yeah, what? I mean... Are we getting back to Season 1 roots, please? Gee, what? The main villain for Season 4 of Stranger Things is Zombie Barb. No, 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 no. No. Okay. Anyway, I don't get why people like Barb so much, but whatever. I, she she fulfilled her sto- her her story arc. Honestly, she was literally in one episode before she died. She yeah, her character fulfilled her purpose in that it, it pushed Nance, our, a main character Nancy, to to be someone better than just a a bad per, bad person and a bad friend. And then they completely betrayed all that for season two. Yep. Anyway, to execute one of the best double turns in TV history. But uh, Josh, you got a sponsor for us this week before we get into our rant filled main discussion. (laughs) It was tough, dude. It was. um, Let's go with. Oh, geez. What was the name of the truck company I used? I think it was like budget or something like that. I don't remember. But they they ended up being so much cheaper than U-Haul and. You know, a little uh, shout out to you all. Um, if you guys need have any moving needs, uh, don't or storage needs, never go to U Haul. Overprice you, and it's the worst. Anyway, <laughs> oh, this movie. So okay, I will start off by saying I did think it was going to be worse than it was. But that's also because I had seen I've seen it before and remembered it remembered it being awful and it wasn't as bad as I remembered it. But that's not saying that it wasn't. I had heard really going into awful. it that it was bad, and I was suckered in because, as we'll talk about later, it starts on a strong note. Yes, like a really strong note. We'll talk about that later, and then it nosedives so hard, I actually had to physically make myself watch it. I almost shut it off so many times and I feel so bad for Heather because she's in the next room watching TV and I'm in our room watching this movie just yelling and screaming and just swearing at the TV of did they even read a Robin Hood book? So before we get into anything, there's just so much I got to get off my chest about yeah, how they yeah, dropped yeah. the ball on this. Basically, anything you know and love about the Robin Hood lore is thrown out the window for this in favor of a new edgy take. Um, Robin Hood, as a great Robin, as a great archer, he shoots a bow like maybe three times in the entire movie. Robin and the love of his life, Maid Marian, are now in a forced marriage that she doesn't even love him at first. Um, And she is not royalty, she is a farmer. Robin of Loxley, the established, that's his name, he stole his identity from some dead guy that he meets on the side of a river and then steals his crap and feels, I need to return your sword to your dad because reasons. Yeah. 
And they partially get it right of, I fought alongside King Richard while King Richard freaking died. Um, no, 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 that's not how it goes in Robin Hood. King Richard's fighting off in the Crusades. That's why evil King John takes the throne as an interim king with the expectation that Richard will eventually return. He doesn't die. Yes. Yep. <laughs> and also, did you remember that sh the Sheriff of Nottingham, you know, the Joker of the Robin Hood universe, look at me getting all angry about this, but the Sheriff of Nottingham, believe it or not, is actually in this movie. You wouldn't know because he only has three freaking lines. <laughs> he doesn't do anything. Oh it's my the gosh. Sheriff and of Nottingham. It's the one villain that Robin Hood has besides evil King John. And yes, we've got the classics like Little John, who is just called Little John for no apparent reason. And he's known Robin for a while. They fought in the war together. And Alan Day and uh, Will Scarlet, they're all in a group together and they didn't meet each other in the woods. Robin didn't start off his crusade. He becomes an outlaw at the end of the movie. I don't know why he's an outlaw. King John just goes, yeah, he's an outlaw now, as opposed to he killed one of the king's deer and one of the king's men. That's actually an outlaw offense. That makes sense. Yeah, he doesn't steal from the rich or give to the poor, which is basically Robin Hood 101. Doesn't do that at all. And he's just there to be gladiator, except in green and in England. <laughs> I hate this movie so much. <laughs> Oh, dude, this is great because I knew what I was getting myself into when when we picked this. Oh, but no, you I had no idea. I didn't realize they're just gonna just completely crap on all of Robin Hood lore. Yes, <laughs> which I grew up reading Robin Hood like feverishly. I read Robin Hood, King Arthur, Treasure Planet, Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, Treasure Planet, Treasure Island, Three Musketeers, all those classics. So uh, I didn't think I was like a diehard Robin Hood fan. But all the memories came flooding back of, this ain't right. Oh, this ain't right. That ain't right. This is so much. No. Yep. How could you yep. mess? It's like they went out of their way to piss off people that read Robin Hood. Like, every single detail is wrong. Yep. You know what's crazy, though? And this is actually, in my opinion, one of the five good things. What When Ridley Scott changed something to the story, he stuck to it to the very end and be it that none of the decision story decisions are good he still was like no no we're not gonna backtrack we're not i'm not i'm gonna stick to all my guns here like also except for one i don't have a single performance i have one person as a good performance everyone else i don't know what they're doing like I, as soon as I saw Oscar Isaac, I was like, oh, good. Oscar Isaac's in this movie. He always puts in a great performance. He starts talking. I have no idea what the heck accent he is doing. <laughs> it is so bad. And Russell Crowe, I swear, he's just like, okay. Gladiator worked. Braveheart worked. And the Kevin Costner movie kind of worked. Let's just do all three of them. And that's my Robin Hood. Jesus. He's yeah. William Wallace. He's not Robin Hood. So, what are, do you have anything? Did you, were you able to find five good things? Believe it or not, five did come easily <laughs> through gritted teeth. Um, number five, 
is actually the entire costume and aesthetics department. Like, okay. I felt at least while none of the performances or made the story made me feel at all like I was in a Robin Hood, if I muted the TV and just looked at what was on screen, yes, I could immediately tell this is a Robin Hood slash Crusade era story of would I have liked to see them in Lincoln Green? Because that's the color that they wear. That specific shade, Lincoln Green, yes, I would have. Um, but they're wearing what I figured they would wear. The costumes were excellent. Um, I don't think a Robin Hood movie needs to have as big of a budget at this was as this one did. But you could see the budget put to at least somewhat good use in its aesthetics. Um, yes. Like the costumes and the buildings and just the production design across the board was excellent. Um, like, it was so spotty. At times, I could tell Russell Crowe, oh, you're dressed up like Robin Hood. Other times, oh, so we're King Arthur now, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. It fluctuates. But when he's in, like, actual Robin Hood gear, okay, that's supposed to be Robin Hood. And, yeah, yeah it, the costuming and overall production design was a, uh, was a plus to me. Yeah, I I would agree with that. And I, I think at the end of the day, like as far as the world itself that this creates, regardless of story changes, the world itself feels like, yeah, this looks and feels exactly how this would look and feel and if this was a real story, if this was actually happening. Yeah, uh it's just oh, it's just it's like Last Airbender. Once they open their mouths or start telling what the story is, just no. Just yeah. And I don't know about you, but Robin Hood is supposed to be fun. This movie was yeah. depressing. And not just because so, sad things happen. There's not a lot of sad things happen. It's just bleak and dreary for no real reason. But the my number four on this is The Merry Men. Because, you know, while the, again, I think this is going to be the top, the, the, yeah, you're reaching for that one, I think. No. So here's the thing. When, when we're not like being bleak and sad and we're actually partying and stuff, the, the merry men are the people that I like, I wanted to, I want to be a part of that when they're the, whenever they, when they first get to, um, to Loxley, I think, no, no to yeah. Nottingham, sorry. When they first oh, yeah, get there and like the, yeah, the first thing they do is party and like they show scenes from that party. It was like, that's, that seems like these guys feel like guys I would love to, to hang out with and be around. Now yeah, they only say their names once. Yeah. Oh dude. I didn't know who a- anybody was except for little John. And that's only because Which even um, then, the little John thing pissed me off. Cause like little John, He's called that ironically because he's massive. His name's John Little, and he he's Robin Hood in a fight. But I'll let that go. Uh, maybe it's just me. I would have liked a bigger Little John. Yeah, like he was I mean, just a little bit taller than everybody else. Whereas I know the I know Little John in the books to kind of more or less be the mountain from Game of Thrones. I would say that as well. And I while I did. Like I do like the actor they got for him. I would agree. I think that he could have been bigger. Um, 
Also, um, no mention whatsoever that Will Scarlet is Robin Hood's uh, either nephew or cousin. They're related. Yeah, no, screw that. No mention <laughs> of that whatsoever. Like, I think the potential was there, uh, but that was something of, you need to have him meet over time instead of just lumping all of his assistants together of, yep, here, here they are. Oh, now we have Friar Tuck. I'm like... You, it feel, felt more like a checklist of these characters have to be in the movie, so we'll just put them all in at once and not give them character. Yeah, I loved Fire Tuck, though. <laughs> it, I completely agree, though, that he feels like he belongs in a different Robin Hood movie. Yes, he does. <laughs> he's he's oh. like the Mel Brooks Robin Hood, which yeah. is probably the best one that we've gotten in many years, actually, and I'm not yes. being ironic about that. Yeah, so what else did you like about the film? My number four is the one and only time that they actually do any Robin Hooding at all. So um, I believe it's either Sir Godfrey or the Sheriff of Nottingham come and steal Maid Marian and her um, father-in-law's like crops that they have. And so that night, Robin and his merry men more or less hold up that carriage of soil and then replant it overnight and holy crap it's fun to plunder on the rich isn't it they more or less just like steal from the rich and give back to the poor like they're supposed to but the characters are having fun doing it and the music feels like this old timey robin hood old time english music it fit perfectly it was Robin Hood. This was what we signed up for. Is the only time in the whole movie that they do anything even remotely close to a Robin Hood story. And they, the fact that they don't tell the people in the village that they were the ones that did it, I like that, that they're like the guardian angels of Nottingham, because that's what Robin Hood is. Heaven forbid we just make a movie about that. Yes. No, we have to make it bigger than that. Which I'll, I'll talk about that later, because at one point, that was a good thing. Um, for my number three, I'll go with the one and genuinely only performance in this entire movie that I liked. Thank God Mark Strong is a thing, because his Sir Godfrey is the villain. I was just getting so fed up with this movie, and then Mark Strong comes on screen, and no joke, I breathed the sigh of relief going, oh, thank God Mark Strong is here. At least someone's going to try in this. <laughs> he's he is there are times where he just gives people looks and i'm I'm nervous whether it's i'm going to kill you as the villain or i'm going to kill you as mark strong because i don't want to be in this movie anymore because <laughs> mark strong like- is one of the best like choices for act for villains whether it's sherlock holmes or shazam green lantern or this Unfortunately, he doesn't have the best track record for good movies, but he's always a bright spot. And while I'm pissed that the Sheriff of Nottingham is in this, like, basically not at all, and the whole subplot with the French doesn't really make sense or should exist in this movie at all, other than the fact to make it Braveheart for no reason. Um, The linchpin of all this, though, the holding everything together, is Mark Strong as Sir Godfrey who is like the only good thing about this. He's evil. He's menacing. He actually comes across as a villain. It's a character that Mark Strong can do in his sleep, but when everyone else's performance is so bad, he's one of the few bright spots. He's so good in this. 
Yes. I, I, the thing, the detail they did with him that I really, really liked was the more and more that Robin hurts him, like physically, like they leave the scars there. They don't like just magically disappear overnight or something like that. Like when he gets he cut on the cheek or something. Yeah. Like he, he's actually trying, like actively trying. It gives him a reason to hate Robin. Which calling him Robin is generous. I mean, okay, fine. Let's call him Rob. <laughs> no, we won't call him Rob because that's what the Taron Edgerton movie called him. <laughs> Which I'm sure we'll cover that garbage at some point. Yep. Um, because I know you well, like how it, did though. You... Huh? But I know you like that one. I'm. I liked it more than I thought I was going to. But we'll see that's upon not, a rewatch if we get around to yeah, it. Yeah, we'll see upon a rewatch. Because, um, you know, when you watch a movie by yourself, you're all like, oh, I'm having a great time because it's just me. Um, but yeah. What's your number uh, three? I don't know how you felt about it, but I, I there were at times I really enjoyed the music of the of the film. Oh, believe me. That's actually my number two. Yeah. yeah. It, it's it's the it strong, trying it's so the much harder things. than it has to. Yeah, like, I mean, from not not just like the bar scenes or the, like the really merry old timey flute and fiddle music, but like also the big scores and stuff like that. Like, I really I enjoyed it all. You could tell when the music was there. Yeah, it was, like you said, it's a good variety of music. It has that old-timey, but it has that grand sweeping. It, he would, Rid, uh, yeah, Ridley Scott was more or less trying to copy and paste Gladiator and Braveheart and more or less just, like, melded the scores because, like, he had these big grand speeches from Robin Hood of uniting the Englishman and the grand sweeping music underneath it, which is fantastic, like, I've listened to soundtrack music on its own and Robin Hood will occasionally come up. I'm just like, well, when I get around to watching this garbage, at least I know the music is excellent. Um, yeah. And it was better than even I expected it to be. And the variety was excellent of big grungy music and epic for the war fights or the old timey stuff for when they're actually in Sherwood Forest, which do they ever call it Sherwood Forest? I think it's... They call it something forest. I don't. I, I think don't they just call that. it the forest. Yeah, um, yeah. And they never really give context to where the forest is in proportion to the kingdom. Yeah, I mean, they give give it in context to its proportion to to where it is, like with Nottingham, which I do kind of. I did kind of enjoy the little orphans, like that. I don't of. get their point. I don't either. <laughs> they're like the human Ewoks. They are, but they're, they're, they're there. They do things. They were there mainly so that for some reason, Maid Marian has their own army to command at the end, which, which um, it doesn't make sense. Why, why, why she would, that's basically dooming those kids to death. Like, Hey, I know y'all have been total jerks to us. Also another movie that this movie rips off saving private Ryan somehow. Yeah. Oh, With absolutely. literally the storming the beaches scene is exactly the same. Yep. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, I, why? Why was Maid Marian fighting at the end? I don't know. I don't. Maybe it's a contract of uh, the the lady that played it. Kate Blanchett. I, did, I didn't mind her. No, she wasn't but again, worst. she didn't have a whole lot to do, and the whole 
I hate you. And then I literally love you the next day. Oh, yeah, I completely forgot about my husband that has died and you're taking his place for some reason, which let's talk about that for a second. Um, okay. Everyone knows Robin Hood ends up with Maid Marian. That's just the established Robin Hood canon. In this movie, Maid Marian has been married before and Robin has stolen the identity of the husband that died. So Maid Marian's father-in-law that she had with her first husband, who is blind, goes, this guy brought us a sword. You're going to marry him now. That's the end of discussion. You're married to him now. Um, Say what? Okay, here's the thing, though. So, Why would Robin even feel obligated to return the sword at all? Yeah, that's that's a yeah. But to their credit, there's the they're when they're walking and talking through Nottingham. She does mention they they were barely married for even like two or three months before he left for war. Her her original husband. It still so, makes me pissed though that the fact of Robin of Loxley, the one that we know is the actual Robin Hood, dies twenty minutes into the movie, and Robin steals yeah. his name. Yes. Um, the other thing is the reason he, he get that uh, Lord Loxley gives is like when I die, the all of this land can't go to you. It has to go to a man, unfortunately, because of the society. So in order to take care of you, marry this dude. Now it doesn't Which is make weird sense. That, why is she a farmer? Yeah, I mean, she's made marrying. She's in the castle. No, see, but. On a certain level, she's not, it never says that she's a princess. It never says like she, but she is a like Lord or lady kind of situation. And that's not always, that doesn't always equate to castle in, that, True, in those days. But, but also Robin meets her later. Like this, this yeah. has a weird timeline of, it's like it, the Gotham it, it of the Robin Hood world. Yeah, and the, the, on certain, there's certain aspects of it that I can defend on, like, I understand why they made the, this decision or that, but at the end of the day, the timeline's so screwed up, it doesn't end up making sense. No. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, what's your number two? Um, <laughs> so despite him not putting on a good performance, there's certain things that they do with Prince slash King John that make me absolutely hate him. True, I did hate him, but I don't know if it was his performance or if I just hated him. Well, I mean, because, okay, after, for me at least, I'm the kind of person that after I've realized that somebody doesn't care about the accent that they're, that they're doing, I was like, okay, that's how you talk now? Fine, whatever. Um, I kind of accept it, which is, you know, not necessarily a good thing on my part. But once we get towards, like, the climax of this of this film, there's certain little things that he does that I'm just like, oh, you're... You're that guy. Oh, I want to punch you so bad. I did feel that at the end when, spoiler alert, he burns the agreement that everyone made, which I'm just going, how does that not immediately start a riot that ends with your head on a pike? Yeah, that's the other thing. It's like, it's literally just because he's a king. He's a king. But like at the same time, like how... I think that was the the emotion that it was supposed to invoke in that how are we not revolting against this guy? Which, that's kind of how the King John story ends is in the Robin Hood stories, he, he signs the Magna Carta. Yes. 
And also, he gets humiliated because King Richard returns. But that can't yes. happen now because he's dead. Also, yes. big another big gripe I have is King Richard is established to be a good king. He's kind of really an awful person in this movie, King Richard. Yes. So I think what they try, what Ridley tried to do is make this closer to reality. And while admirable, it doesn't work for a supposedly fiction story. Like Robin is supposed to be loyal to the king to a fault. Whereas this one, he's just like, yeah, he's the guy that I follow orders from. I don't particularly care about him either way. Yeah, and like, and then the king's the like, "Be where... honest. What do you think of my reign?" And then Robin's honest, and the guy's like, "You're an honest man. I hate that you're an honest man." Yeah, and then puts them all in shackles. So it's like, really, like that's what you're get out of here, dude. To the point that when he dies, I'm just like, I'm pissed that you kill off King Richard, but also you're fine because that's not the King Richard that I know from Robin Hood. Yeah, exactly. Which is funny that I didn't realize until he died who was playing him. <laughs> With a bad guy from Wonder Woman? Yeah, I was like, oh, hey! And also the bad guy from X-Men Origins Wolverine? <laughs> yeah. Poor guy. Poor dude. He's a great actor, he just can't seem to get good projects. It's like they tried to replicate the uh, success of the Marcus Aurelius character from Gladiator, who was awesome. And Dumbledore, but it mm, just wasn't the same. Like, so much of this movie was, well, let's just try and copy the success of Gladiator, right? Yeah. But a decade has passed, and Ridley Scott is not the he was when he made Gladiator. Yeah. What's your, what's your number one you got there, bud? My number one is the part that fooled me into thinking the movie might be better than I thought it was. And that's the opening fight and the opening date when they're storming the castle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause that is a great scene because in all the Robin Hood stories, we know he's just come home from the crusades fighting alongside King Richard. And I've always thought it was cool if we got to see that and the fight scene. Okay. This is not necessarily Robin Hood. But it's something familiar from the Robin Hood that we have not actually gotten before. But it doesn't violate any of the pre-existing rules of Robin Hood lore. Of This is an actual Robin Hood prequel. This is what happens before he's Robin. Yes, we knew he fight, fought in the Crusades. Let's see him in the Crusades. He's an archer in the infantry. Let's see that in action. Uh, and it was really cool warfare. I liked seeing him fight. It was a great set piece. Um, great practical effects believable fights. It was just the Robin Hood that we knew before Robin Hood, and it didn't feel like a gladiator clone. Yeah, I'll give you that, yeah. Which is funny that that's your number one. Is it your number one, too? No, because my number one is actually on the opposite end of the movie. The last, like, five, ten minutes feels like like the actual Robin Hood is about to start. <laughs> it's uh, the only reason it feels weird for me is because it it's preceding the whole movie that it just preceded and it comes out of nowhere. But like at the same time, it's like, oh, oh, here we go. This is the Robin Hood I was I've been I came here for. And then cut to credits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, 
I like the opening a lot just because it's, okay, this is an era that we, everyone seems to want to reinvent the wheel for Robin Hood, but do it to lore that we already know about. But Ridley Scott, at least for this part of it, was like, no, let's go to before he's Robin Hood, like right before and figure out what he was doing in the Crusades and give this view of the Crusades. I don't mind King Richard leading these fights and maybe having some regrets about what he's doing, but he's still comes across as an awful person. Um, it's a great action set piece. And I'm like, okay, maybe this won't be too bad because there's some camaraderie among the men. The action was pretty good. The music was excellent. Russell Crowe looked like he was trying. Um, and then for some reason, uh, he gets in a fight with Little John, which that's not how that goes down at all. Um, and the king puts him and his friends in the stockades and the king yeah. dies. Um, yeah, it goes way off the rails. Yeah. I mean, so at the end of the day, are there five good things about Robin Hood with Russell Crowe? Yeah. Is it, a, isn't it, do, do these five things make it a decent movie? Absolutely no. not. <laughs> Rage inducing movie? Yes. Yeah. I got more mad at this than Batman and Robin because Batman and Robin like knew what it was. And it was a time yeah. capsule of a specific era of Batman. This is just like, um, we're reskinning Gladiator in green and in England. Yeah. And I, uh, the thing I think you will appreciate about um, the Robin Hood with Terrence and uh, with Egerton is it doesn't try to be like any other Robin Hood. And I don't know if I'm going to like that. Yeah, but it also but it sticks to its guns, and it's like this is this exists in an alternate reality in some way, shape, or form. Like, okay, so know. like the Charlie Hunnam King Arthur. Yeah, it, except with the better actor, which Charlie <laughs> Hunnam can be good. Again, okay. watch Lost City of Z; he's excellent in that. Also true. It's oh, any last minute thoughts before we thankfully let this one rest in peace, like AJ Styles. Um, no, not really. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not really worth watching. Um, there's nothing really good about the movie. Uh, there's good parts, but I can't recommend this as a Robin Hood fan. And even if you know nothing about Robin Hood, I still wouldn't recommend this movie to you yeah. because while there's big action at the beginning and the end, not a lot happens in the middle and it's way too long. Yeah, it's. Uh, and it, we just it, watched the regular version, not the unrated version, so that we could judge it fairly from what people in the theater saw. Um, yeah. I don't need an extended cut of this. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, like the whole point of, uh, ooh, excuse me, the whole point of um, five good things is to try to find five good things that maybe could potentially redeem a movie from being absolutely awful to being okay. But I, I don't think that the five good things that we found about the this film even redeems it to, to okay. <laughs> and also the other purpose of this is so people can laugh at how worked up and how dumb I get about stupid movies that mean literally nothing to no one. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, buddy. I just want a good Robin Hood. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> Maybe this Disney Plus one will be fun. Yeah, just give me what I want. Like Batista, give me what I want. A good Robin Hood, a good Three Musketeers, a good King Arthur. 
All of those <laughs> three have been want, screwed Jared. over. Give me what I want. That's not what I want. <laughs> oh, We're going to have Robin Hood set in the year 3000. That's not what I want. And also, <laughs> that was something that was pitched after um, the Taron Edgerton one came out. I mean, oh, I wouldn't. It could be interesting to say Apparently, the least. after the Taron Edger one, Edgerton came out, a whole bunch of like spinoffs were canceled, in which were like the Margot Robbie uh, made Marion movie and a futuristic Robin Hood. And I'm just going, um, why? Just no. Yeah. Okay. Bring back Carrie Elwes, please. Oh, Men boy. in tighter tights. <laughs> Oh, no. I would, oh, no. And they've all gained weight and they're old. Oh, no. <laughs> I would love that so much. <laughs> and you have a gag with Little John that can't escape the uh, bathroom anymore to do the tight tights number. <laughs> oh, boy. And Dave Chappelle still just looks exactly the same. <laughs> and he still, he, he somehow has like vintage Air Jordans or the, the little pump ones still. I would, yep. It's happening now. <laughs> oh, man. Take I feel like I need man. to watch Men in Tights just to get a proper Robin Hood flavor. Yeah, which is sad, but oh well. Which I'll close us with the best joke from Men in Tights and one of my favorite moments in any comedy ever when Blinken catches the arrow. How did you do that? I could hear it coming a mile away. Good job, Blinken. What? what? Who's talking? <laughs> well, what do you guys think about Robin Hood 2010? Let us know in the comments below. We always like hearing from you guys. And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube at Uncharted Media. And as always, stay sharp, you guys and gals.